This is Phantom Electric Ghost, and this is episode 54, The Riot Starts Now, and we're discussing the song, I'm That Girl, You're Code Blue. This song is an example of our live recording of a track and not using overdubs. Uh, we basically utilized our hardware workflow to create this punk, techno, expansive sound um, rocker. It has a lot to do with my love of punk music. I talked about how I like Bob Mould and Grant Hart's Who's To Do, um, uh, Westerberg's Replacements, The Sex Pistols, you know, any kind of punk music, you know, even in modern days like Green Day. But um, so I like to use my synthesizers to prove that they can be very aggressive in a Trent Reznor way. Uh, and, and because, you know, I'm a frustrated guitar player, I try to figure out how to get the, the synths to have that kind of guitar attack. And it's a way of playing the synths that's not the same as playing a piano. You have to adjust um, your playing style to kind of match what a guitar player would do in terms of bending notes and modulation and chord patterns and and just the playing is not the same as playing a piano part or an organ part. And it's something over the last five years I've gotten better at. And you know the biggest compliment I've had is some people, you know, ask who the guitarist is on a family like ghost song. And that shows I actually succeeded in what I was what I'm trying to do. So this song is Josephine in the lead doing a Riot Girl interpretation, like a Sleater Kitty kind of idea. So <clears throat> having her be uh, the very, uh, you know, new way of kind of punk uh, attitude. And this song is kind of taking some things from the current news uh, about you know, what's going on in our justice system and what's going on with privileged um, MFs that think they can just, uh, you know, drug and abuse women. And so Josephine basically going through the song and saying, are you not going to drug me with lewds and have your way with me? I'm going to turn it around and you're going to be the one that's code blue. So it's kind of flipping it around. And typically Josephine's been doing this in a lot of songs that had her go after the lead or men who are um, pretty much predators and she becomes um, the character that challenges those men and goes after them and makes them pay because remember she's a she's a ghost and she's ethereal she can become material and uh, she basically uses uh, those techniques to um, you know get revenge on those folks or those men who abuse women or abuse Josephine. And this song is, is a way of her expressing that kind of, that riot girl attitude of like, you're not gonna do that, I'm gonna actually do you. And you're not gonna, you make it. So 
It was it's a very aggressive song. It was initially started with um, <clears throat> less aggressive synthesis um, using my Eurorack uh, to make make noise. Morphogene has a backward tape loop of a family like a ghost song running uh, in behind the scenes. The Turia Mini Boot 2S has a sequence that's running through the pitch and the gate uh, and actually, you know, creating some variability. And then there's a bass line coming from the Moog DFAM. In the Mother 32, I have some modulation going on. It's all kind of in the base of the song. On top of that, I have some sequencing on a JDXI route through um, a Beatset Pro uh, where there's some System 1M sequencing going on uh, and JDXI sequencing going on. Um, then there's the vocal that's happening. Now, the levels for all this is being controlled by, I have a Pittsburgh modular mixer on a Eurorack that's controlling the level of the make noise morphogene is controlling the level of the DFAM and the Mother 32 before it even hits <clears throat> my MX1 performance mixer, which then I can further edit the volume. And so all these things are going on to track one and two on a Zoom R24, but the levels are being controlled by a Pittsburgh modular mixer, two by four mixer, and then the system uh, MX1 performance mixer, which has got uh, some of the instruments on multiple channels. So the, the guitar is on a Juno GI, it's on a channel uh, that's being uh, controlled at a level. The JDXI drum beats powered by the Arturia are on a level being controlled. Um, the System 1M is being controlled and the Eurorack is also being controlled on a separate level. That allows me to record live onto two tracks because all the levels are being controlled by the mixers before they even hit the zoom. And in the zoom, there's a mastering going on on the zoom. So this is uh, the, the, the complexity of my hardware workflow <clears throat> where I'm able to bring in all of these types of sounds and uh, control them. And I think uh, it's been something that I've just been perfecting and I like to do live performances on Facebook to prove that, you know, song creation, uh, like I think Robert Mogo always said he expected artists to use his mug live uh and i like to do that um and so i think the live creation of tracks goes back to you know things that were done in the 60s and 70s a lot of bands wrote albums with the whole band playing live <clears throat> and then did overdubs and you know i do my share of overdubs and song creation in, in a kind of in a modern daw way but using my Zoom by tracking things separately and then putting them together. But there's something about doing a band type of performance. And as a one-person band, there's some things I have to do um, to do some pre-work to set up what I think is going to work. So I'll actually rehearse the track and play with all the sequencing and the, and the layers of things that are going on. There's a lot of modulation with analog gear you can do different types of modulation and play the filter to get the variability off the DFAM and the Moog and the Arteria. So by playing the filters and adjusting the knob per function capabilities of these sense, you can create variability that sounds like live um, players.
So that's a lot of what I do to get the live feel for my analog and digital systems. Uh, just being electric voices running through um, VTO3, vocal transformer from Roland, which is now my preferred method. I used to use the JDXI. The only problem with the JDXI is I was using it for the drums and the vocal and a lot of other tracks. And I found it difficult to control the levels of all the four parts. Um, I, I found that like, there's a control for the volume for one of, one of the digital parts, but I've had trouble controlling the volume for the vocoder and the drums. Um, they seem to be on the same channel and it's difficult to separate them. Since I can do the VTO3 on a separate channel, it allows me to make the levels of the vocal separate. It's not a problem if you record, you know, in sequence, sequentially, and, and do the drums and then do the vocal. But when you try and do the vocal and the drums at the same time, then the drums tend to get a little too loud at the same volume level as the vocal, which maybe there's a fix for that. Somebody can tell me I, I was never able to find that. <clears throat> so this song is out there on SoundCloud. I made a video for it on Instagram. Be up on YouTube. It'll be published to all the streaming services shortly. The other thing I'm working on um, is I recorded a uh, initial review of the new or announcement or my 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 impressions of the mode one. So I'm actually going to go through that again here. There is a big announcement in synthesis. I think it's one of the biggest announcements in the last 30 years is Moog, which we've had suspected for many years, has decided to get back into poly polyphonic analog synth game. And for those who don't know, I mean, back in the day, there was a polyphonic Moog that was called the Polymoog. It was more like uh, an organ than a synth, but it actually had the ladder filter and envelope control. Uh, so you had like an ADSR envelope, uh, similar to the mini mode model D. It had a filter, it had the ability to shape some presets that it had, and then it was polyphonic. And it was more like an organ than a modern synth, so it had a really deep polyphony, similar to like a Hammond organ. <clears throat> so, uh, I think it was called divide down concept, which is what is used in like Hammond organs and other organs. So it has less to do with a, a synth because a synth kind of limits your polyphony, but the organs don't. So it was like full polyphony. So that was their first effort in the mid seventies and 75. The first version was very awesome. The second version got rid of some of the control um, over the synth and uh, that was kind of disappointing, but it was used in the song Cars to create effect, and it still sounds great. It's a great, great synth. Their last effort was the memory mode, which was fraught with a lot of production issues and uh, quality issues and reliability issues, but when it worked, it is an amazing polyphonic synth. And a lot of people have wanted mode to get back in the game, and they were kind of you know, knocked out by Prophets and uh, Roland's uh, Jupiter series and uh, the Juno 106 uh, and the DX uh, and, the, and the Yamaha Dream Machines kind of 
didn't make any good, a good reason for Mo to continue in that path because they weren't as successful at polyphonic synth as they are at monophonic. So slide to today, where now the Moog 1 brings back the concepts of the, the memory Moog. And it looks kind of like a Voyager. It looks like they took the Voyager form. And it is a 61 key Fatar key bed. Uh, I think it's aftertouch and velocity sensitive. It is like an old cabinet with aluminum metal. Uh, it doesn't look like it has that much plastic on it at all. It does have CD capability. It does have MIDI. It has a three oscillator VCO analog polyphonic set. And, and I think that can't be understated because a lot of the profit makes the profit um, sets. And that is an analog set. But this machine is a little more sophisticated than the six in that this thing has three, um, so three timbral synths, which makes it three synths in one. You can do three levels of synthesis. And it has four LFOs. And in the 16 voice version, you can have in unison 48 oscillators all firing at the same time. And each synth layer in the multi-trimble system can have its own sequencing. And, and by that effect, you can also have its own LFO routing and its own modulation routing. And it looks like they've taken a book from Profit in the 12 and the Rev 2 and the Profit X. It has a lot of modulation options for these LFOs. So they're, they're, they're routable. It has an LED screen, which I don't know if it's touch sensitive or not. It has knob per function, massive amount of buttons, over 70, I mean, um, actual dials and uh, I think over 100 actual buttons. And so this is a knob per function set that I don't think can be understated. These are Moog oscillators, analog oscillators. They're only square and triangle, but then there's a the, uh, variable pulse. And so my con, I, I have a question. It's like, okay, where is the um, the, um, the actual other waveforms, like a sine wave or uh, a sawtooth? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that the variable pulse width can generate whatever wave you want, and that's how they solve that. Uh, I'm not too clear on that. If you can get a sine wave out of this machine through that method, where you can get other type of waveforms, I'm assuming you can, but I'm not sure. Uh, I was wondering why they built it that way, but it could be uh, have something to do with the development of the subharmonicon and then just uh, maybe way more wavetable-based synthesis on an analog machine. Uh, but it's very interesting uh, that also this machine is the first time I've seen both actually have two filters. There's a ladder filter and then there's a multi-mode filter, which is similar to what we see on Arcturus. And so you have both of them, and both of them can be routed together or separately in different orders. Uh, there's USB, MIDI, and um, traditional MIDI. Doesn't look like it's Bluetooth MIDI. Now, the big downer on this thing is the price. The eight voice versions, like 6,000, 16 voice versions, 8,000. Uh, you can get it on a payment plan, like a car, and spend $300 a month for like 24 months. Now, if you're a really a synth freak or a professional musician, I think this set has a lot to offer. I think it has a capability. Uh, based on 
you know, working with modes. I have a DFAM. I have a mode of 32. I've played uh, many modes. There's something about modes that are worth adding to your arsenal of music creation. There's something about the way they respond um, to, you know, sound development that, you know, a lot of people can attest through the history, you know, from Trent Reznor to Bernie Worrell, from P-Funk, um, to any of uh, the new wave artists that use these and the rappers that use them. Um, uh, if you go back in the day on the Chronic and the use of the Model V, uh, you can't really, uh, you know, understand how a mode works if you actually get a real mode. And once you have one, you're going to be totally in love with the way it creates sound. And to have a, a mode that can create a three-oscillator poly polyphony and then have it be able to do it on as like multiple synths firing at once with their own sequences and then be able to save the patches and save the performance information, which I don't know the level of performance information you can save, but it suggested you can save a lot. And um, I think that this machine could usher a new age of song creation uh, using chords. You know, as a songwriter and a, and a keyboardist, monophonic synths are great, and you can build whatever you want one step at a time. But having a polyphonic analog synth that of this quality, um, and you know, I think the only synths that are similar in quality would be like a Waldorf, um, or if you get to the Prophet Twelve. But the Prophet Twelve is D are DCOs, and if you get to a Korg, um, uh, if you get one of their new synths, like like the new analog synth from 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 the Prologue 16 voice. It's a very good machine. It has a lot of capability, but I don't think it can match this. Uh, it has a lot of capability, but I think the sound that Moog gets from its oscillators, I can attest to the way the oscillators work on synths from Moog, and they just have a fatness and a power that's hard to find. Even Prophet synths have a different flavor, you know, uh, Arturia Sense have a different flavor. Rollins have a different flavor. To be able to have um, modes back in the arena where we can play two-fisted chords uh, and three layers of two-fisted chords with three VCOs. You know, these are not digital oscillators, and I think that can't be stated more often that if you look at, like, a Prophet 6, there's a reason why people get the Prophet 6 instead of a Rev 2 when they're looking for a certain sound. And this is going to be the same kind of reason that people are going to want this machine. I think it's going to be a monster. Um, if the reliability is where it is on all the recent mode products, this will be a game changer for all electronic musicians, you know, all rock musicians and hip-hop artists. I would hope that there are bands that could bring back a little bit of what Genesis, like the Peter Gabriel Genesis used to do, or Emerson Lake and Palmer, or you know, old Sticks and Journey. People could really build great music with this. I don't think Trent Reznor could do amazing things with this machine. He does a lot with the Model V. To be able to use a full, full polyphonic analog synth from Moog is a total revelation. And 
you know, I'm going to do everything I can to try to get this machine. I would love mode to buy, provide one so I could review it on my podcast. Uh, you know, but an $8,000 machine, I'm not sure if they're going to be sending all of these out. Uh, they'll be sending it to the top tier reviewers on the net, um, like Sonic State and Lollipop and Andertons. I would think they're going to do the reviews. But it would be cool if Moog would look into what we're doing as the ghost. And the whole idea of the ghost is to use analog and digital sense uh, instead of using um, digital audio workstations to create really raw experimental synth music. And I would hope Moog eventually would, would find the fan of electric ghost on the, on the radar. We'd love to go to Moog Fest. We're going to do that. We're going to self-fund it. But if we could, you know, somehow get a relationship with Moog, then we're very much into what they've been doing. We're total devotees of the Moog uh, culture in the Moog camp. Uh, we've introduced a lot of cool sounds in the last year with our DFAM and Mother 32 compositions. Uh, we're very excited uh, up to this point where next purchase is going to be the, the grandmother. Most likely it would still be the grandmother because it's at a great price point. Uh, we're also very interested in the subharmonicon going into production. So Moog, if you can put that in production, we're down with those two. Uh, but getting uh, this machine to review and write some music on would be a dream. And so we're putting it out there. Uh, I know there's a lot of other indie artists who would love to see if Moog would do that for them. But, you know, an $8,000 machine is hard to go send to somebody and have it sent back. It's probably not something that happens. Uh, but you can put a dream out there, and the dream would be to get this machine. Um, otherwise, we're going to Uber like hell. We're going to lift like hell and work as much as we can to get this on the radar in the next two years as something that we have a goal. Because our end goal as the ghost is to build a studio in New Hampshire using hardware like we've talked about and really good recording equipment like the Neve recording uh, boards and, you know, actually getting, you know, analog tape, real to real machines for the final mastering. That is our overall goal is to build a studio in New Hampshire, have people get out of toxic environments and come to a nice environment in New Hampshire and record songs in a, in a, in a way that you don't have to, you know, be self-destructive. You're in a positive environment. You can hike, you can fish, you can mountain bike, you can swim, you can jet ski, you can whatever. It would have a better environment uh, rather than <laughs> the old uh, coked out days of being in dark rooms and just being very self-destructive. The idea of, of trying to open things up uh, in a more healthy manner. So that's our big pitch for today. Again, we are fan supported. If you like what we're doing, please um, uh, look at the subscription levels. We have said before that if we get subscribers at the four ninety nine and nine ninety nine level on our channel, we will send you a hard copy of either uh, one of the three um, CDs that we put out early in our career. The first fan Electric Ghost album was something wicked. Still available on Amazon. Indigo Menace, still available on Amazon. And Synesthesia, Sweet Neo Soul Surrender. 
you will get one of those records if you subscribe at those levels for a year. Um, this money will help support efforts, like I said, to like be able to review instruments like the Mode 1, uh, the OPZ, which we're actually going to get. We have on order from uh, Sweetwater. So we'll be getting an OPZ early November, and we're going to do a full product review on that on a video and podcast version on Anchor. Um, and so if you are very interested in doing this, uh, check out the Anchor uh, link to be able to support us. Also, favorite panel by Electric Ghost on Anchor and send us a message. Uh, if you're interested in being a co-host or, or working with us as a, as a collaborator, and we, we also you know collaborate with indie artists all around the world. And if you're interested in the sound that we have, and want to bring it into your mix or do a collaboration, uh, also contact us by voice memo. You just have to favorite the ghost and send us a voice memo and we can get in touch with you. Thank you very much.